Some people still believe that losing your energy is just an inevitable part of getting older. It feels worse when you're dealing with too much screen time, inactivity, endless stress, and low-quality foods. The good news is that biology is on your side. There is nothing else out there that does what Timeline's MitoPure can do. Just about everything you consume, whether it's food or air or anything else, gets transformed into energy by your mitochondria, and they're really good at doing that. But over time, they wear out and they need to be replaced in a process called autophagy. To help me with that, I use something called MitoPure by Timeline Nutrition. MitoPure is clinically shown to increase cellular energy, and it does this by providing a precise dose of a rare molecule called urolithin A. Urolithin A promotes longevity and healthy aging, and it makes your body better at making energy. The only way besides MitoPure you could get this powerful dose of urolithin A is to eat literally pounds of pomegranates and to have a rare strain of gut bacteria present. Based on the science, I have added it to my permanent longevity stack and something you can do too. I trust Timeline Nutrition's research. It's easy, it's powerful, and it works. If you want in, visit TimelineNutrition.com Dave and use code ASPRI10 to get 10% off. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Formerly Bulletproof Radio. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. Today is an interview that I'm really, really looking forward to because it's with a guy who I first met, I want to say about 15 years ago, maybe even 20, back when I was running one of the early anti-aging nonprofit research and education groups uh, in Palo Alto. It's called the Silicon Valley Health Institute. And I did not know the things I know now about biohacking because I was learning longevity from people who were oftentimes three times my age. It's in my 20s and I had people who were 88 years old on the board of directors who were showing me how they were getting younger before it was supposed to be possible. And one of the guests who came in was Roland McCready from the Heart Math Institute. And he talked about all this really cool math and science and measurable things that tied directly to what I thought was a little bit of BS. Things like meditation, back when no one would admit they meditated if they had a job because they would just think you were crazy. Now, if you're saying, Dave, how the heck old are you? Guys, on the calendar, I'm 50. On lab tests, I'm somewhere between 39 and maybe 24, depending on what numbers you like to believe. But the world has changed a lot. And part of the role of starting the biohacking movement and bringing this out there was to normalize meditation and consciousness as high-performance human techniques. So personal development is part of what you do as a biohacker. It's just hard to do personal development if your hardware doesn't work. And Roland McCready, today's guest, is one of the first guys who pointed out to me scientifically, hey, if you want to have the kind of life that you want, then you've got to look at the intersection between what's going on invisibly in your biology and in your nervous system and your conscious mind. And when you do that, it has an effect that's bigger than you might think because it actually affects other people. And it does it via signals that we don't consciously pick up, but that we can measure. In other words, your effect on other people is real when you walk in the room, even if 
they don't even know that you're there. Roland, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. What did you think of that intro? Hey, well, that was cool. I was uh, trying to remember how long ago it was, too, and it's uh, probably closer to 20. Yeah, I think it was somewhere around the late 90s, wasn't it? It was, it was before you were famous. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm still not sure if I'm famous, but I'm better known <laughs> than I was before. I, I know some people are really famous, and thank God I'm not one of those. Yeah. <laughs> there are people who literally can't travel because they're so famous, and I don't want to be yeah. one of those. But I understand, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I do know that when I was at Burning Man last week, I was walking down, I'm not saying what I was or wasn't wearing at the time, uh, walking <laughs> down the street one morning, and uh, someone's like, hey, is that you, Dave? And I'm going, uh, yeah. And he says, thanks for cutting your hair. And I said, you're welcome. And I kept walking. So uh, I, yeah, I was spotted in the wild, put it that way. So I guess that means I'm famous, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, Roland, some of our listeners know what heart rate variability is. And many of them may not. So I know we're not going to talk about heart rate variability as our, our topic. We're going to talk about things like emotions and cognitive processing and energetic systems and our effects on each other. Uh, but can you talk about how important heart rate variability is for measuring this stuff and where that comes from? Just kind of give us an overview. Yeah, be happy to, Dave. Most trackers out there that uh, people, you know, that, I mean, HRV is kind of transitioned out of the research world, which is huge in these days. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of publications now on, on heart rate variability in, in the uh, research and clinical kind of world. And of course, for those that aren't familiar with HRV, and I should probably back up a little bit from where I was about, what I was about to say. First of all, just to understand that our heart rate changes with each and every heartbeat. So we're, we're, what heart rate variability is, is measuring the time between each consecutive pair of heartbeats. And that time between beats is always changing. Now, this is a complete revolution in a way. Because if you back 20, well, maybe 30 years, I got to remember how old I'm getting here. I should turn 70 next, next month. It used to be thought that a, a sign of good health was a steady heart rate. You know, like a, the heart was like a metrodome. And we now know that is just utter nonsense. It's the opposite. That in a healthy system, our heart rate's always varying. And we have more of this natural beat-to-beat variation when we're young, and it gets less as we get older. In fact, it's one of the best measures of the aging process, because it's a, the how much of it we have. It's kind of crossed into the consumer world, the biohacking world, which, of course, you were a big player in, of course, David. So a lot of things are out there of measuring how much of this variability do we have and, and so on. And that's great, and it's important. However, there's a much deeper from my perspective, level of what HRV indicates about what's going on inside of a body rather than just kind of slow process in terms of how much. And that is what we call how coherent is the variability. And that reflects current state. Now, that when we look a little bit deeper under the hood, what heart rate variability actually can measure and does reflect is the degree of synchronization of the activity in the activity of our higher brain systems and within our nervous system. And that's where it gets really interesting because that's something we can learn to rather quickly change and control to a certain degree. And it, I think it's, for most people, pretty self-evident that it just makes sense to be in sync, you know, the activity in our brain and nervous system and the, and the neural systems. Because when we're in sync, that's one of the main things that 
enhances or facilitates performance across a lot of different domains. Physically, I actually know of a few world records in sports that have been set after coherence training in athletes. The idea of coherence training here is that all of us have a number of beats per minute, but the spacing of those beats can be totally different. You could have 60 beats in one second and then no beats for 59 seconds. You'd probably be dead in that case, right? But you'd still have 60 beats per minute, right? So, and if it's one beat every second, which is what we imagine, then you're a stressed person and it's not working very well. But if the beats kind of move around within each second, then your nervous system is healthier. But there's a pattern to the way they move around mathematically that means you're coherent, right? Yeah, it's, it's the, well, you know, maybe a simpler language is when we're looking at the pattern is to think of our heart rhythm. So if we didn't have this beat-to-beat change in heart rate, there'd be no heart rhythm. It would be like a metronome. A rhythm is, is the change over time. And if you just look at somebody's heart, most people are thinking of heart rate, like you're talking about, how many times right. they heart beat in a minute. You know, and if you look at most monitors, it looks like flat because it's averaged out. You know, you collect data for 30 seconds or a minute, and then you put a dot, and you it kind of looks like this flat line, unless you exercise or do something, and you see it kind of slowly change. That's not the reality. But when you look at when you plot this beat to beat change, that is our heart rhythm, which is always going up and down and up and down. And the amount of it we have really reflects the flexibility within our, our nervous system. In fact, when, it, when that variability gets lower and the range of that rhythm gets lower, that's well correlated with a lot of things we don't want to have in our life. Reduced mental flexibility, cognitive mm-hmm. flexibility, emotional flexibility. We get stuck kind of in the, the same old patterns physiologically as well as mentally and emotionally. That's the important thing. It's a physiological thing. It's inside your biology, but then it you feel it emotionally. And for me, after your very first lecture uh, back uh, at that anti-aging nonprofit group, I got one of the HeartMath devices, and your research group is associated with HeartMath. And I started doing this training. It was really hard for me. It was a little game you play on your iPhone. You can still get it today. Um, I helped to bring heart rate variability into the world of biohacking. We got you guys to present at the quantified self meetups years ago. And the reason I did that is because I became a certified heart math coach uh, years ago. <laughs> and I would do this and all of a sudden, like my, I could feel my physiology changing. It was helping me to relax and helping me to realize what it felt like when my body went into a fight or flight mode versus when I was in this this newer state that I'd learned. If you've been listening to The Human Upgrade for very long, you've heard about the science-backed benefits of saunas, like sweating out heavy metals and other toxins, and even a euphoric feeling you get from endorphins releasing from the heat. What if you could get those benefits anywhere without having a full sauna? Check out the Bond Charge Sauna Blanket. It uses infrared light that heats you instead of the air around you. That means you get the same benefits at a lower heat. It also mimics the effects of intense exercise, even burning up to 600 calories per session while you just relax. It heats up really fast, the quickest on the market I've found. I like it because it's really easy to clean, it has low EMFs, and it has the highest temperature settings. Plus, it's really easy to set up and stow away. I like to use it when I'm traveling and don't have access to a full-size sauna. 
So if you want the power of an infrared sauna to go or from the comfort of your own home, go to bondcharge.com slash Dave. That's B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com. Use code Dave. They'll give you 15% off your Bond Charge sauna blanket. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. And after I, I started coaching people on it, I remember this one engineer in Silicon Valley. Now, engineers, software developers are not known for being highly emotional people. They, they tend to be a little bit rational. I had Asperger's syndrome until I reprogrammed all that stuff. It's common in the field. So these are not the people who talk about or even really sense their emotions easily. Yeah. And this guy, after eight weeks, he says, Dave, I did you know my 20 minutes of training every day the way you recommended, and I'm pretty sure I experienced bliss. <laughs> and here, like a, <laughs> a programmer experienced bliss back then. We, we, programmers don't experience bliss, but we did. And things have shifted today. Actually, people who write code and engineers now accepted to be curious about your consciousness, but it, not that long ago, you couldn't do that. So the idea that you could turn on bliss by training your heart rate variability and getting higher levels of coherence in your heart, it's really cool. So I wanted listeners to understand this idea and you wake up in the morning, you can see how was your heart rate variability last night? Did you recover? Or did you not? Most listeners have heard of that by now. Yeah. That's the how much variability we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. But here's the question for you. Global Coherence Initiative, you've been studying how we affect each other just from our heart rate coherence. Tell me about that. Okay. So that, that's really a, a cool story. I love interviews where we can go a little wider than the just physiology and the heart-brain communication and all that, Dave. So if we dial back into the 90s, you know, when we were, we started, obviously, as a psychophysiology laboratory. That may not be obvious, but, and so we got onto the link between our inner world, what we're feeling, you know, whether, whether even for an engineer, we think we don't have feelings, we do. Just maybe don't, aren't aware of them as much as we should be. Exactly. And how important that is, because that's what drives the activity in our brain and nervous system is our emotions way more than our thoughts okay let me say that to start off with and we started understanding how the the heart rhythms is the most reflective of, the, of our inner state right then i won't get into the whole history of how we got onto this it was sort of backwards in a way if i'm really honest but we were doing some research with water actually and, and the effect of consciousness and I'll, I'll tell a little bit of the story and we were putting electrodes in water and you know, changing water structure and these two different various methods. And we found that water 
actually amplifies weak electromagnetic fields through some other experiments. And that led to the idea, well, wait a minute, we're water, <laughs> mostly, right, in our bodies. Are we also amplifying weak electromagnetic fields, you know, that, that we receive? And are we, we, we radiating them? We know when we put electrodes on the body, we're measuring current, electrical current. That's, that's why it's called the electrocardiogram or the electroencephalograph if we're measuring brain waves. But whenever you have a current flow, you create a magnetic field. And I, my, my previous career was a communication engineer. I used to work for Motorola, something I know a little bit about. So we got this wacky idea. Um, well, what can we measure our heartbeat in a glass of water sitting on a table in front of us without touching it? Yes, we could. That was the backwards way. This is really important. Okay. Guys, Roland just said that using advanced communications engineering tools, you can measure your heartbeat in a glass of water that's not touching you. Hey, I, that's kind of a world-changing idea because if you think you can walk into a room and you don't have an effect on anything you're not touching, you're changing water. And that would also imply that you're changing anyone else who's made out of water. Well, that was the next step, right? And then so we got into using magnetometers, which you can put out. So to sort of measure the magnetic component, which the electrodes don't see, you have to use a different instrument called a magnetometer. So you can stick the probe of a magnetometer, you know, if it's set up right. You can get quite a few feet away from the body and still detect the heartbeat. So then using almost the exact same techniques I would use back in my Motorola days, I'll just call it, which we use to decode or demodulate to look at the uh, the signal being modulated on an electromagnetic field that you carry information with, just like our cell phones do every day, right? And what's carrying that information. Long story short, we found that those magnetic fields are carrying information about our inner state, certainly our emotional state. So that that's proved, I won't say implies it, because it certainly does that, especially our emotions much more, I'm sure. We just haven't proven, but we don't know how to decode all that yet. It doesn't stop at our skin. We are broadcasting that. And if those information patterns are being carried by these magnetic fields, we could put a probe out here, measure it, decode it. And today's world, we can tell with about 75% accuracy what somebody's feeling just by looking at the field. Okay. <laughs> all right. So next step. All right. You, you already kind of alluded to this, Dave. We're big bags of water, and we already had already found in from other research track that water amplifies biologically generated magnetic fields. Anyway, probably all of them, but the next step, and this was actually incredibly easy to do, and I was shocked that nobody had ever done it before. I did all those searches. Somebody had done this, right? Is our, the quality, I'll call it, of the information in our fields, is that affecting others in measurable ways? Yes. <laughs> that was not... Actually, it wasn't rocket science to figure that out. So that then really led to the understanding that there's always an energetic communication going on between people, at least when we're together in the same room in groups, right, or individuals. Usually, not always, but usually on below the consciousness, the conscious awareness level, but still having profound effects on the quality of communication going on with, within a group or a dyad, right, or a couple. So if I had a magnetometer and I was interviewing someone for a job interview, could I tell with 75% accuracy what they're feeling? 
Yeah. But you don't, here's the thing. You don't even made a magnetometer. That was the research. Yeah, because you are one. <laughs> uh, yeah. And all right, so uh, then it, and it took some time to sort all this out. You know, I was talking about those information patterns being carried by the field, mm-hmm. right? Well, they correlate. There's a direct mathematical relationship between the heart rate variability patterns, the rhythm patterns, and those the structure of that information being carried by the field. Imagine if we had a heart rate monitor and a magnetometer on all politicians all the time when they were doing public speeches. Wouldn't that be fun? We'd have no more politicians because they're always dying, right? And we would know it. Oh, (laughs) So this is kind of profound. If you're listening to this right now, you could be saying that can't be true. Guys, I have known Roland for 20 years. I have been on the advisory board for the HeartMath Institute. And Roland is an actual real engineer who does the deep math and the deep signals analysis. That's what Motorola was all about. This is real stuff. And he's been working on it for a long time. And the implications for human consciousness are profound. Because if you want to find out why your Buddhist meditation does this or why you sit in a room like I did at Kopan Monastery in Nepal to learn meditation and you have the guru or the teacher in the room and they're transmitting something, which is how they would describe it. Well, there is an invisible but existing signal that happens when you're around certain people. Yeah. And part of the reason that I learned to do what I do to make biohacking into a global movement, I did a lot of work with heart math. And I learned how to, because I used to be nervous on stage, especially when I was doing Silicon Valley you know, keynote presentations. I was quite nervous. So I learned to, before I would go on, to do my heart coherence meditations and to do the breathing. And I found that if I shifted myself into this state, that I had a lot more audience interaction, that it worked better. And when I went on stage in front of 15,000 people on Tony Robbins' main stage at UPW, I did the same thing I always do, which is I automatically now change my coherence so that I resonate for the crowd or more to the point the audience resonates with me. And then what that feels like to people when you're with someone who has high levels of coherence and high amplitude, which are things that I have in my biology because I built them, um, is that it feels authentic because it is authentic. Because when your words match your transmissions, exactly, then you're going, that is real. And when you get the person who walks on stage and their words are good, but their transmissions are not good, you feel dissonance and you you just know something's wrong. Yeah, and that same thing, you're absolutely right, goes on in our day-to-day communications with people, our spouses, our teammates, people we work with. It's that dissonance that is one of the main factors in miscommunication and feeling untrusted and, and separated when uh, all these things that go on that uh, are, are pretty big cost factors, you know, in, in business. You, you'd ask Dave, if, if I may, you know, about global, the global, what the hell does this have to do? I'm sorry about my language. What the heck does this have to do with global? Right. Well, yeah. okay. So we're now, we had already done this work back in the nineties showing that this communication is going on. And by the way, of course, tone of voice, the words we choose, body language, all that matters as well saying there's additional layer that sometimes matters even more that we're often unaware of. Then it be, became 
I've, I've learned about some things that you would have thought I would have known from being a communication engineer, right? Professionally. Yeah. But I hadn't, I'd never learned. And I think most people hadn't. And one of, here, here's, this just blew me away. I got to share this when I learned this. Now, so we were talking about magnetic fields. Now, we, now let's take it to the global scale. So Earth, right? We have a, the Earth has a magnetic field. We all know that. We learned that back in probably grade school, right? And, you know, the North Pole, the South Pole, all this stuff. It's big magnetic field. Well, one of the things I, what I hadn't ever learned until I got into to another route is that magnetic fields can be plucked, the field lines, right? Yeah. If, you, right if you remember the experiment, you dump the iron filings on the glass plate, you put the magnet under it, and, you know, it jumps around and shows you the shape of the field, whether it's a bar magnet or a horseshoe, whatever. But remember those, mag, those iron filings line up in parallel lines. Mm-hmm. So that really simple experiment we're also visualizing magnetic field lines or flux lines if you want to be more specific here's the thing that's blow away they act like guitar strings you can pluck them when they vibrate <laughs> and you can I, measure this oh it's measured routinely we, we measure it globally now right but i i was you know well off in the you know F, so having to learn a new field about some of the geomagnetic stuff and in fact there's a technical term for it at scale of Earth, they're called field line resonances. That's the term in the, the literature. It's been around long before I came along. But so what's plucking the field lines of Earth is the solar wind, right? Earth is turning, the solar wind's rushing by, plucking the, the, the magnetic field lines, and they're vibrating. In fact, I've got a great image you know, of this from NASA. You can actually visualize it if you don't believe it. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. Well, here's the wild thing. The, the primary resonant node or frequency of the Earth's magnetic field lines vibrating is a in frequency language 0.1 hertz. That's a cycle every 10 seconds in time in the time world, which I know you'll recognize because it's at exactly the same frequency as our heart rhythms when we're in that coherent state. Like, huh? <laughs> You know, I, I was more of a dot connector in this. And, and we got onto this because when we were, basically what I'm trying to say here, Dave, is taking it from the living room, you know, or the workplace and the local energetic interactions to the global. Because it's through resonance principles that, this is right back to communication engineering 101. When things are resonant, as resonant frequencies, you transfer energy and information. See, I'm, I'm an old guy now, right? So I am way remember when you, we had radios in our house or cars. You had to turn the knob to tune, right? Mm-hmm. You're changing the resonance of the receiver to the vibrating frequency of the field that we can't see. And boom, there's the radio station. Or you're same, we do the same thing in cell phones, right? You transfer the energy to information. You, you know, Roland, one of the things that I learned running that uh, nonprofit uh, anti-aging group uh, when I first met you there, is you can learn a lot from your elders. <laughs> so when you say you're an old guy, that's another way of saying you've probably accumulated some wisdom that you're sharing now. <laughs> so uh, exactly. I, I appreciate that. You remind me of one other guy that I met in Silicon Valley at the same time, maybe a little bit younger than you. He was the guy who wrote the first patent for 802.11 for what we now call Wi-Fi, mm. right? The very first patent. And 
we sat down at Red Rock Coffee Shop in Mountain View, California. And he said, Dave, I, I heard the stuff you're doing with heart math and the stuff you're doing with anti-aging. I want to show you what I found because I took my million dollar signal detection equipment for EMFs, not magnetic stuff you're doing. And I turned it around and I looked at my own body and look what I saw. And he shows me a picture of chakra points. Because mm -hmm. I think there's data, diagnostic data in human biology. We're transmitting Wi-Fi signals all the time. <laughs> like We are. We just yeah. don't see it with our eyes. And so yeah. our smart brains filter that out of our reality. Our body's job is to filter out all the signals that we don't need to survive. And well, we might want these signals to thrive, but we don't need them to reproduce. And that's mm -hmm. why Mother Nature doesn't show them to us. But guys like you... When you do the math and you do the hard research and the science, you're going, no, this is real and it's provable and it's repeatable and it's beautiful that you've done that. Yeah, it's it's a way it's bringing the, I won't, it's, I won't say invisible because that's the wrong word, but it's bringing what we are not consciously aware of. Unseen. Uh, yeah, unseen into uh, visual, to be able to understand and visualize it and to see it. So the just to complete my thoughts, if I may, on that, Dave, you know, we've published probably 20, 25 papers on the, the interconnectivity now between our own biology, our health, our wellness, actually our performance, and how in sync we are with the rhythms that we live in. So we all live within the fields of the earth. You cannot escape it. And again, I think it, it kind of intuitively, it's just kind of common sense that to be in sync with the rhythms we live in, we already know that being in sync in our own rhythms is the, the key to performing better, whether it's sports or mentally, cognitively, whatever. But being in sync with the rhythms of the earth is kind of the next level, if you will. It's funny you mentioned 0.1 hertz. In, in other words, one cycle every 10 seconds. At 40 Years of Zen, which is my, my neuroscience brain training company for entrepreneurs and, and people seeking deeper consciousness, we do train that on the, the last two days. <laughs> we train brain waves along that same cycle, which is a carrier frequency for just about all the other brain waves. Yeah, default mode. I actually saw the default mode network frequency in the brain in the EEG mm -hmm. years before it was discovered in the bold signals and MRIs. It's funny when you take someone who really understands signals analysis and my background, I was a network engineer, not a signals engineer. I'm more TCP IP kind of stuff. But when you get someone who really knows electrical signaling and you turn that knowledge around on humans, you find we operate on those same principles of reality. And even the internal uh, signaling between mitochondria follows the same algorithms we use in crypto. Like our, our systems are eminently hackable. You're just one of the first people to really sit down and say, let's apply modern signals analysis technologies to the body. And having done that for, what, 30 years now you've been doing this? Around that. Yeah. I, I think you're one of the leaders in the world at saying, well, how do we take the engineering hacking mindset and apply it to ourselves and see what's really going on in there? And what's going on in there is not chemical, although it is chemical, mm -hmm. It's not just chemical, it's also magnetic and electrical. And, yeah, it, and informational. It, and it has to be, because if you just have a thinking mind and you know how systems work, it has to do that in order to achieve what we do. I more and more have come to understand, if you will, or believe that what we invent in terms of technology, nature has already done it. Yeah. And we're just discovering that, and there's so many examples of that. 
fact, communications industry is one of those. The fact that we're broadcasting, it's the same thing. We just, body, nature invented it a long time ago. We're just kind of catching up to understand it. We are, and it's, it's kind of funny. Ray Kurzweil is going to come on the show, someone I've been a fan of for a long time. He's a very, very good author. And you know, he's famous for saying, we're going to upload ourselves to the internet. And what I learned over the course of you know, becoming a biohacker is that we're already uploaded to the internet. We just haven't figured out how to hack well, our own signal yet. Yeah, well, that's okay. So that's, thank you, because that's really what I'm saying. At the, that's what the Global Coherence Initiative is all about is that we are way already connected to the glo- what I call global information field mm-hmm. through resonance principles. The fact that our hearts are vibrating heart rhythms at the same as the resonant frequencies of the earth. And then there's also the Schumann frequencies, which are a lot of people make big deals about of a new age and all that. Uh, and a lot of misinformation and just utter nonsense circles through social media around all that. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD+, even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Let's go there. Let, let's talk about Schumann resonance reality versus nonsense. And then let's talk in detail about the global coherence project that you're working on. Okay, well, Schumann resonances, mechanism, what they are, they're magnetically strength-wise or power-wise. They are several orders of magnitude smaller than the field line resonances. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, they're huge. Now, I can't help but say this. this is, it's at least interesting, okay? So we, when we talk our physiology, we, we measure the heart signal, right? The electrocardiogram, mm-hmm. which is 100 times stronger than EEG, right? Electrically. So magnetically, that's also true. So it, now that what here's the kind of that translates. You can stick your magnetic probe out here and back up from the body, you know, around three feet before you lose the sensitivity of, of the technology detecting it. The field keeps going. That's our sensory technology. That same device, same settings, it's about an inch for the brain. It's hard to get a signal from the brain. You get electricity coming off the scalp, which is also hard, but the magnet, the magnetic strength of the brain is weak, but the magnetic strength of the heart is strong. Right. Okay. But now isn't this interesting that at the earth scale, the field line resonances, which are the same frequency as the heart rhythms, right, are the same 
ratio stronger than the Schumann resonances, which are the same frequency as our brain waves. Whoa. So that's basically alpha. The board. Oh, all the brain waves. I mean, yeah. so, well, first, so, so let's, okay, Schumann resonances, we won't spend a lot of time here because it's not that big of a mystery. They're called Schumann resonances because they're named after a, a German mathematician who mathematically predicted that these magnetic waves had to be traveling around the surface of the Earth. So they got named after him when they were first experimentally measured. Not that long ago, 1960, you know, it's certainly within my lifetime, you know, and, and many of them probably listening, was the first ex- measurement of these. So there's still a lot that's to be uncovered from my perspective. But these are magnetic rhythms or waves that are bouncing between the surface of the Earth and the bottom of what's called the ionosphere. So you can think of as a soap bubble, plasma around the planet, or state of matter mm-hmm. in physics. And one of the qualities of this plasma is that it's like a mirror to lower frequency magnetic waves. This is why ham radio operators can bounce radio signals off the ionosphere and talk to people on the other side of the planet. So anyway, it's the dimensions of this cavity between the ionosphere and the Earth that are completely control the frequency of the Schumann resonances. And there's eight of them. First one is 7.83 hertz. So when they were first exper- experimentally measured back in late 1959, early 60, it was the first ever measurement. It was immediately recognized. Wow, that's the same as our, used to be thought of alpha rhythm. And, we, and things have changed a little bit. It's that right between alpha, theta, that sweet point right there, that 7.8 hertz. But there's eight human resonances, not just one. And they all overlap with our brainwaves frequencies. And the others are harmonics of that? Well, sort of. Yeah, you can think of them as harmonics, but they're not. A, it's not a simple, just harmonic doubling relationship because of the different layers within the ionosphere and so on. But, but basically, okay. So the nonsense that we see all the time about it seems like every two years, the social media blows up. For the first time ever, we've measured thirty hertz in the Schumann resonances. Consciousness is changing, and no, we actually have a global network. I've got magnetometers now. Uh, we built. It's called the Global Coherence Monitoring System. How many do you have now embedded around the uh, world? Oh, God, see, there's Saudi Arabia, Lithuania, Canada, Northern Canada, here in California, South Africa, New Zealand, six, right? Six or seven. Uh, so, guys, Roland and his team have gone around the planet and installed magnetometers at various locations that are constantly measuring the strength and size and shape of the field of the planet, the magnetic field, to get data that shows how it's changing us and we're changing it? Yeah, you got it. Wow. So that, that's part of the Global Coherence Initiative, which you asked me about. Now, the Global Coherence Initiative has evolved over, that is probably at least 15 years old now, uh, which it now includes a lot of neat things. So there's the, the Global Magnetometer Measuring System and and we've done a number of studies that are really cool, by the way, I and mean, we can't get into all of them now, where we measure people over long periods, the heart rate variability, probably the only studies in the world. In one, for example, 24 hours a day measuring the HRV of groups of people for months. Wow. Because our HRV really reflects the activity in our nervous system. That's what it actually is telling us. Do you mean that the state of the magnetic field of the planet affects your nervous system? Of course it does. How dare you say such a thing? Because that would justify things like astrology or people going crazy when there's a full moon and everyone knows, oh wait, 
people do go crazy when there's a full moon. Any <laughs> hospital room <laughs> knows this. Any police department knows this. So we are affected by our environment in invisible ways, right? And then we feel responsible for it and we are responsible for our actions, but they were influenced by our environment. Well, well, but the point is that yes, we we can be and often are influenced by certainly the magnetic environment we live in. But it could be the noise of a city, the or being in the uh, the forest here in the redwoods where I live, uh, are affected. So that's kind of obvious. Well, it should be obvious, I feel. Mm. But the point is that we can learn to be in charge of ourselves, so where we don't have to get beat around. Or ride the, the kind of the waves, if you, if you will, of that. We can learn to maintain our own inner coherence, whatever that external environment might be doing. That's called being resilient. Uh, in fact, I started a company called Bulletproof one time. Ah. <laughs> the state of human performance, which is when you're unprogrammable by your environment because you are able to maintain your autonomy and independence even in the face of a dirty signal. Yeah, yeah. Right, and so like the Schumann resonances or the field line resonances can certainly get disturbed when, say, like when Earth gets hit with a solar flare. Mm -hmm. Our physiology does not like living in disturbed fields. And there are so many studies that that show this. So if a bad actor wanted to create a dirty field that created physiological stress in humans, what technology would you use to do that? (laughs) Well, okay, so... I think I know uh, the answer, but <laughs> I would design something that is resonant with our physiological rhythms, first of all. Like the electrical system? No. The, okay. So, um, well, I had the opportunity many years ago to meet um, now Ross 80. Okay. Uh, Ross is a, is a really famous guy in, in the bioelectromagnetic and bioelectromagnetic mm-hmm. medicine world. Okay. And I, I was fortunate to get invited to some invitation-only conferences. This is back in the early 90s as well in, in Switzerland. It was kind of the cream, if you will, of the, of the research world and that, those things. And Ross, so I got to meet Ross, and he was already pretty my age back then, right? So, he was a Karolinska Institute guy, right? He might have been associated. With okay, that. got it. Uh, one, of, one of the many things that Ross did is he showed that because back then, you know, this idea, you know, we were kind of ancient in our thinking back then in a certain way, but he was the leader of that pack. You know, like the only, the only way the a external field can affect biological tissues is through heat. Yeah, that's such bullshit, but we believed it, right? Yeah, it was crazy. But, you know, in, in today's world, most people, that's, that we've way moved past that through, because people like Ross 80, right? Well, one of the things he showed that I think is so important is that biological systems can certainly react to external fields in a nonlinear, profound ways, a nonlinear amplification effect. However, that we have biological, what he called biological windows, that those re- nonlinear high, only respond in very specific, win- what he called windows. The frequency has to be right, has to match, and so does the amplitude of that signal. And if they're out of that biological window, we really don't have much response to it. Well, guess what biological systems respond most to? They love 2.4, was it gigahertz or no megahertz, yeah. the, the, the wireless phones, 900 megahertz. Well, me, okay, so it means you brought that up. But so in other words, what we're most sensitive to are the same frequencies and rhythms we generate. Ah, uh, there you go. Which makes sense. 
right? Mm-hmm. If you're designing the ultimate system. We, we generate frequencies that we can also read that allow us to read other humans to see yeah. if we should trust them or kill them. Yeah, right. So let's make electronic devices that send banking data over those same networks. What could go wrong? Well, right. So you get my point. If I, to answer, if I was going to design a system to harm somebody, I, I would understand those yeah. windows. Got it. And, I, and I, I'm not proposing you would do that or that anyone should do that. I think we have done that with our technology because they didn't identify that it was possible for technology to do this or that those windows existed, even though we know they do. But the guys working on tech systems do not know that humans can do this. I asked the CTOs of three of the largest mobile phone manufacturers on stage at our Peter Diamandis event Whose job is it to look at biological effects of blue light on VR headsets or of EMFs on human biology? And they just looked at each other and said, not ours. So they don't know, but you know. And so this knowledge has to get out there. That's one of the reasons I wanted to interview you. Yeah, you know, one of the things we've been looking at in in terms of this global stuff, and by the way, so that within global, I just wanted to mention the global, where I was starting to go, the Global Parents Initiative. So there's the global monitoring system of Earth's field. We also now, we're we're the new home for what's called the Global Consciousness Project 2.0. And that's by far the best system that exists from my perspective of measuring how our collective consciousness, Mm -hmm. when a lot of us feel something at the same time, you know, a big media event, a terrorist attack or a global peace days, these type of things. We can measure that effect and which is really cool. So so global consciousness project, you're using your embedded magnetometers around the planet. It's a different device, but yeah. Well, that's a different device. Okay. What it, what are you measuring to measure global consciousness? Well, okay. So we, 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 we've taken this over from a project that was started 25 years ago as well at Princeton university. Okay. It's called the Global Consciousness Project, Roger Nelson. And, it, and it's a global network of device, physical devices that make random numbers. Uh, like right. Electronic coin flippers. They're making ones or zeros. Yeah. The data over the last 25 years from that project. Now, the, the, let me give you the statistics first. Are three trillion to one odds against chance. They're super powerful. Whoa. <laughs> And what this shows, and it's that when a lot of people change their consciousness, especially what they pay attention to and they feel something, it's emotion that drives this, right? Like terrorist attacks, or we all come together and meditate, global meditations, these type of things. So hundreds of these events have been analyzed. That you think of it as this globally distributed scientific instrument, that's how I look at it, of these devices that are making ones or zeros. We tend to think of it in consciousness waves, that we're literally putting waves into the the global field environment, that it somehow interacts with these devices to change their activity so they become correlated. It's like (laughs) if you think of waves on the ocean, it's like the boys or the rubber ducks, I like rubber ducks, are all moving up and down at the same time, like a field wave is going through. What you're you're basically saying here is that Human consciousness makes random number generators non-random. Yeah, it, it's well. What it's showing is that our consciousness, especially our aligned and coherent collective consciousness, interacts directly interacts with and measurably affects the physical world. Hmm. So people listening to this can do one of two things. Um, you can do what normally happens is. 
your ego interjects and says, that can't be, therefore it isn't, and then you throw it away. Now, that's logically stupid. It and, is, yeah. But that's what our bodies will do if we're not paying attention. There's three trillion to one odds against chance. This is real science. Yeah. And then you realize, wow, you might want to gain control of your own biology and your own thoughts and your own emotions because you are constantly peeing in your own swimming pool if you don't. <laughs> that's a good way of saying it. I might steal that from you. It's yours. It's a gift. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when you, uh, at Burning Man, actually uh, put the first part of the Global Consciousness Project, at least the first test you did at Burning Man. And I remember posting on Facebook, uh, back when people still use Facebook, just kidding. <laughs> I said, you know, my prediction is that at the end of the burn, they will find that there were shifts in randomness at the burn because there's a lot of people doing a lot of consciousness work there. And everyone said, there's no way, that can't be, that's impossible. And I said, well, I, I had already talk to you privately about what you were doing. And I understand the nature of reality from my own biohacking explorations and said, okay, I predict this. And sure enough, what did you find at Burning Man when you measured this? Well, that was actually Dean Radin who did that. Oh, was it Dean? Uh, okay. Wasn't he associated with you guys or was that? No, he is associated. He's yeah. part of, of our team working on the Global yeah. Consciousness Project. Yeah. Yeah. He, no, he found that there was a strong effect um, of, of that, but you know, it's kind of interesting because the, the main criticism that we get, or that Roger has gotten, because we've just taken over and created two, the 2.0, a completely new version of this to really address some of the unknown new questions, uh, was, well, you, if you don't know the mechanism, we don't believe you. I love those guys. Those are my favorite ones. Yeah. Well, here, but here, one of, the, one of the people on my team that we've hired a couple of years ago, is he's PhD in Stanford in quantum physics. He's a computational mathematician. Uh, physics, and he his dissertation. He was telling me this just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Nakam is his name. He's going. You know, my my dissertation from Stanford was in high temperature superconductivity. Yeah, that's you know. I mean, this, he's a really smart guy. Left and joined our team, and he's our primary scientist working on the the background of, of the, this new GCP 2.0 project. Just you know, we do, we do not know the mechanism of how high temperature superconductivity works. <laughs> It works, but we don't. We do not yet understand the mechanism. And there, it's the hottest topic in physics right now. And there are teams of scientists all around the world trying to understand this. And his point is, this is no different than GCP two. Get what I'm saying? Uh, I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So many people have come to me in in the realm of biohacking, and I can say I know this works because you can do it and you get results. And they say, but. It can't work because I don't know why it works, which again is logically absurd. So then I came up with the best answer for this type of critic. Say, oh, you need a mechanism of action? Okay, it's leprechauns. <laughs> and of course they go, ah, they go, well, hold on a second here. Let's go through the entire history of science since the Enlightenment. And almost every single theory about how things work, including Newtonian physics, is wrong. We tell ourselves stories to make it easier for us to see how it works, but they're not actually real. They aren't true because there's usually a layer underneath it that usually ends up in quantum physics. So it's okay to not know as long as if I punch myself in the face and it hurts, I don't need to know the mechanism of action and the coefficient of friction and all that stuff. Those are all stories. What I know is if I do A, I get B more than half the time, therefore A works. That's the core of science and understanding why and 
and doing the math and making it more understandable and teasing out and making it stronger. That's the game of understanding the world. Yeah. You don't need to know that for it to work. Right. Yeah, but we are in, in what we're doing in GCP too, is we do care. I care about understanding the mechanism. Oh, I care too, but you don't need to to get the results. Well, exactly. Yeah, right. I mean, if we're so blind because we don't, I mean, I would say it's probably in every major discovery in science, the understanding, the result was there before understanding the mechanism. Right. So anyway, that's kind of off topic in a way. Who cares? But I've got to ask you the really big question here. And, and this is definitely part of what I'm interested in as a biohacker. We know that any antenna that you have mm-hmm. can be used to receive a signal and it can be used to send a signal. Right. So when it comes to the GCP stuff, the Global Consciousness Project, can we use that network or any other technology to send a consciousness signal that affects humans in a positive way? Well, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're using the technology of GCP2 to measure the output of our signal that we want. But I want to use GCP to send the signal into our consciousness so we can wake the heck up. Yeah, no, no, other way around, but we can... (laughs) Well, I would say let's use our antennas because what once we're seeing, well, there's so many places we could go here. Uh, there's also part of GCI, by the way, I just want to say there's also an app called the Global Coherence app that allows us to measure how coherent we not only are we are personally, but collectively people using the app together. It's kind of a cool new advancement of HRV technology that allows us to look at the group level. So the Global uh, Coherence app, you install it. And I haven't looked at this in a long time, so I'm suppositioning it or whatever. I'm, I'm guessing it here. But uh, so you you install the app, and then you can see when everyone else is doing a meditation. You can look at the, the group of all the people doing it and see how coherent we are yeah. with each other. Yeah, right? I should install this app. I guess it's pretty cool. You know, bringing these things together the the global monitoring system of the Earth's field, global consciousness project, and we're also measuring trees globally, the electrical activity of trees. So I'm suggesting all living systems are interconnected energetically by the fields we live in that we're able to, to enable a new generation, if you will, of the science of interconnectivity. One of our things that's kind of emerged out of the, the global um, coherence initiative is becoming aware of what we're feeding the field. Because that's what we're feeding the DNA in all of our cells. The DNA is, in my world is an antenna that is directly affected by our vibrational state, the quality of our consciousness. We're also radiating it into the external environment. And when we're in sync, we're, we are connected to the larger field of the earth in a bi-directional way. Making sense, Dave, what I'm, what I'm trying to say here? So we're trying to measure all this at the same time. It makes so much sense. And I, I became aware of a lot of this in part because I've traveled around the world and studied meditation and spirituality with different lineages. But really one of the core things was just seeing a signal on my screen from heart math and, and just understanding this and then going down and doing it with EEG, which I actually did before I did heart math. And one of the reasons I spent six months of my life with electrodes glued to my head and I teach people to do it at 40 years of Zen is that I found that my, I call it the meat operating system in the body it was automatically sending garbage out there without my really consent. And it was doing that because it got programmed to do that 
through growing up in a human body, right? Anyone who's been a child is going to have some of this because you were pissed off you didn't get to have you know, chocolate instead of peas when you were two. I mean, like, like your body is kind of dumb. So it's also beautifully engineered, but it's set up to survive if you're not in there. So going through this process of removing automated hate signals that the body makes, or instead of peas when you were two, I mean, like, like your body is kind of dumb. So automated negative signals that it makes so that you can have a clean signal and improves the quality of your life so dramatically. And my goal became to find the people who were affecting the most people, either energetically because they're strong senders. You and I know people like that. Or people who are affecting others because they have tons of power or fame or money and to make them more conscious in their use of those physical world tools. So I have this group of people who come through who are like, my psychic powers are waking up and you know they're raising the X-wing fighter with their hand. Okay, not really. But these are like people who are spiritually very potent or people who are, I'm changing the world. I have a billion dollars. I want to be more conscious in how I act around my family and my employees, my investments. And both of those groups, they're different, but they're both changing the world in a big way. And those are the ones who need the cleanest signals. How would someone listening to the show right now who's going, my mind was just blown, how would they start? I mean, should you start with heart rate variability training? Should they install the Global Coherence app I just installed? Like, what's what's step one? Yeah. New- the Global Coherence app in a way, Dave, is a, a kind of advanced. Yeah. It's for people who kind of already are way in that waking up process who really get that what we're feeding the field matters. <laughs> You know, yeah. beyond what we can measure, I think we're at a crossroads in a certain way in the evolution of human consciousness. Because consciousness uh, does evolve, and when we become conscious agents in our own evolution, that's when things like what we're talking about today become important and matter. If you're starting to understand that, from, from my perspective, so I would say coherence training is the first place to start. How do we become more coherent in our own bodies and our own physiology, more aligned with who we really are at our deeper deeper levels. And there's a lot of thing, tools to help facilitate that. So like the apps and the heart rate variability coherence feedback is a, is a facilitation tool for us to learn how to shift into coherence, you know, like when we're meditating. But that's training wheel level from my yeah, perspective. It's just step one. It's how do we maintain that inner coherence? And I mean physiologically mm-hmm. you know, and emotionally. When the blank's hitting the fan, as we're navigating day-to-day life, uh, the traffic jams, the difficult people we have to interact with, uh, whether it's we're into sports, right? We want to perform better, get coherent, right? Yeah. Um, so it becomes a way of life. And as we do that, that literally, re- you use the word, reprograms our physiology to this becomes our new normal state. We, in our language, we call it, we shifted our internal baseline. So that becomes the new familiar. And that's when this is transformational. It's so transformational. And what I found in my own path, having had chronic fatigue syndrome and toxic mold poisoning and basically poorly functioning mitochondria, I believe that our mitochondria are the distributed antenna array that makes all of this happen. Um, they're curiously most dense in the heart and the brain and the ovaries even more so uh, if you're so equipped. And we don't need to decide whether that's if we agree on that or not. But 
in, in my experience, when I increase mitochondrial function, it becomes much easier to have a coherent signal. So having working power plants and electrophysiology, because wait, those are where electricity comes from, and we're talking about electricity and electromagnetic fields here, it seems like I can be more coherent when I make enough energy. And when I make enough energy and I'm coherent, I can send it a lot further. Absolutely, Dave. I would agree with you. In fact, when I talk about coherence training, it's a language we're using here in our trainings and what we certify people in to go teach HeartMath around the world, thousands of Yeah, I'm certified, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, it's really, well, then you would know it's really in the language of energy management. Mm -hmm. That's really what coherence training is about, is energy management. And so many of us waste our energy. Oh, God, yeah. In ways that we don't yet understand. So it's really about how do we stop draining unnecessary energy drains, but also how do we start accumulating more energy? Because we we have to have that energy from my perspective. Well, first of all, just past basic human function. In fact, there's a study that was published last year with uh, one of our collaborators at the University of Lithuania who took close to 500 people and measure what's called basal metabolic rate, or resting metabolic rate, it's also yep. called. How much energy does the body have to have to re- maintain basic functions at rest? It's what that's a measure of. And guess what they found? They found that when the, the resonant frequencies, and they, one, of, one of our magnetometers is, is there in Lithuania, when the power of the resonant frequencies is higher, our resting metabolic rate decreases. You get what I'm saying? When we're in sync with the rhythms of the earth, right down to the cellular, metabolic, mitochondrial, if you want, level, we are functioning more efficiently. It makes so much sense if you think about it. Um, When you're taking the efficient path, it requires less energy. When you're forcing a signal through an inefficient path, it takes more energy, so you have to eat more food to do the energy because you didn't resonate well. Yeah, it, well, it, the reason we chose coherence as the definition of the physiological states that we were seeing, we spent actually on my advisory board back then, which is a pretty famous group of people. It took us a couple of years to land on the word physiological coherence to describe the effects we were seeing in the lab. And one of the reasons is that one of the hallmarks or, or in a, a coherent system is energy efficiency. A coherent system is an energy efficient system that's stable with, in that way over time. So anyway, I, I totally agree with you and resonate with you. And some of our, I'd be drawn to share this. I don't know you're just drawing this out of me, Dave, for some reason, things I don't normally talk about. Yay, that's a good job. Some of our earlier 90s, back in the early 90s, some of the first stuff we did, actually, we got into uh, intentionality studies. And we found that we, we were using DNA as the target. Can we intentionally change DNA? And one of the things that you can measure about DNA, it, made a, it was actually a great target because you can measure how wound or unwound the strands of DNA are. You know, mm-hmm. UV spectrophotometer and yeah. you know, very well established. Real science. So, yeah. And anyway, we did spend about two years doing this. We, all, we had brought in healers. We brought in students from UCSC or people off the street. I mean, all a couple of years to these experiments after we felt the, validated the method. At the end of that, we found two things were important. First of all, that you can consciously and intentionally interact with and change. It's called the conformational state or the, of, of the DNA. Yeah. You can 
And why it was so neat is you could intend for it to wind or unwind, right? It wasn't just a simple on-off kind of experiment. Mm -hmm. And two things were important for people to be able to reliably make that experiment work. Coherence and intention. Who would have thought? Right, but there's a big takeaway here. So our vibrate, I'm going to call it our energetic Mm -hmm. state, our emotional state, which really is a, a vibrational system first. And that's what tells the hormones and uh, all the other stuff to change right in the body is also in communication with our DNA. There are unusual shamanic and energy medicine states that you can go into to look at. Actually, well, you're not looking with your eyes, but with your inner eyes. Uh, you're looking at your DNA. We know how to do that. And to look at other cell structures inside the body and all that. But I don't think any of those states are accessible without coherence. That's my point. We, we showed that in these experiments. Yeah, you proved it. You know, because coherence is you're putting a coherent signal into our own bodies and out into the environment. It really gets kind of simple at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it is simple. And it works into our language, too. I, I mean, I have lots of friends who will say, yeah, I'm vibing with that. Like, oh, we're vibing together, right? Then vibrating, resonating, same thing. Right. And, and you were just asking, like, you know, what, why are you talking about these old things during this interview? It's because we're vibing. Like, I, I can sense what our energy stuff does when we get to hang out and, like, oh, cool. It's like two old nerd friends get to hang out and, you know, figure out stuff that we didn't know we were going to say. Uh, and, and I think that's art of being a good interviewer, too. All the great interviewers out there figure out how to align their energy with who they're interviewing so that something new will come out. Otherwise, it's just like, doing a pre-recorded dance kind of thing. (laughs) So assuming that people are still following, that you can edit your DNA uh, or at least be aware of it or control how it it does these things, we're getting into the realm of epigenetics. Yeah, exactly. Guys like Bruce Lipton and Dawson Church, who are friends who've been on this show. In fact, biohacking, to be really clear, is just a restatement of epigenetics. Change the environment around you and inside of you so you have full control of your own biology. Isn't that what epigenetics is? Is how the environment affects your genetics? Well, yeah. Yeah, babies <laughs> above, outside the DNA. Yeah. I mean, right, yeah. yeah, just maybe made epigenetics cool. And by the way, Bruce lives 13 miles from me. Uh, of course he does. It yeah. doesn't surprise <laughs> me at all. There, there's a, a whole hotbed in the Santa Cruz Mountains there of, uh, of all the cool stuff. What about uh, Joe Dispenza? He's a friend who's been on the show. Um, sure. He talks a lot about coherence. When, when you go to do one of his uh, advanced workshops, uh, which clearly I've done because I'm talking about it, you end up looking at EEG brainwaves and alignment of groups of people and all this stuff. It seems a bit more brain versus heart-based, but he's got his idea that you, know, you send a, a signal from the brain and pick it up with the heart. The heart is a receiver versus a transmitter. Go a little bit deeper. Uh, on I'm not sure Joe would... would would say that. Anyway, I, I've been working with Joe on a research level for many, probably, well, well over 10 years. Anyway, wow. I'm more like 15. And we've done a lot of work with, with Joe's groups. God, going 10 years ago, we had them wearing 24-hour HRV monitors mm-hmm. with devices with, you know, actually hundreds of people over, over the years. And, you know, looking at what happens and, and I mean, he kind of got into coherence. He actually acknowledged this in a talk he gave for one of our events because of us. 
where he got into the, the heart brain coherence. He talks a lot about it and, and openly talks about the work we've done together. Anyway, what we were doing work to find uh, some really cool results came out of the, the monitoring people's HRV, you know, the, the healings they went through. We go back and look at the coherent states they were in that led up to that event and a lot of cool stuff like that. More recent work, in fact, we just published a paper. It took some doing to get published because it was so outside of the consciousness of, or the familiarity of the reviewers for this pretty high-level journal where we looked at the energetic synchronization amongst the healers and the healing groups that, that Joe does. So we were monitoring all the healers and the Healy heart rate durability and showing that during certain phases of, of his that process that people go through, that there as a type of energetic a complexity matching, if you will, is what the measure was. Uh, it's a nonlinear measure of the HRV that occurred. And that we just got that published literally a couple of weeks ago. Wow. In a pretty high level journal of nonlinear dynamics, but they, they, it took, you know, I mean, these are math, but you were saying a bit earlier, engineers, it was kind of like, you mean physiology? We can apply these tools and show this? And yes, uh, anyway, it, it is published now. So for people who haven't been to a, a Joe Dispenza workshop, a part of what you do there is you'll get six people lined up around someone who wants a healing. and person could be really sick or they could just have a problem and they lay there and then the people around them use what they've learned in the workshop to go into a coherent state with each other and to do their best to channel healing. And I've done this um, several times and it's a very potent experience because when you get that number of people to feel something happen as a healer, and the results that they're getting on healings are, are really, really profound. And what I think is going on is all of the eight people, if they have enough skill, they line up close enough to amplify each other's signal and then to go in and fix stuff. Now, let me add something to that. You're absolutely correct. How it now imagine those eight and then the ninth person in the center yep. that you have usually 100, 120 of those groups all yeah. at the same time doing this at the same time. It's a giant vortex probably. It's, it's a huge energetic yeah. coherent field. In fact, that's kind of uh, what Joe and I are, one of our goals is to, we're, you know, one step at a time, but to ultimately be able to look at the meta coherence level of the large Ooh. group. So and that, wow. that's actually the hypothesis that I, Joe, I, t I suggested to Joe. So we're starting by looking at the groups, which is what we just got published and established. We had to invent a new mathematical approach mm -hmm. to look at energetic synchronization. I, and that, that's my, some really smart people at the University of Lithuania I work with that wow. are experts in nonlinear mathematics. I'm, I'm not. It's been one of my, my dreams for a long time, going back to when I first started presenting at Quantified Self. Uh, and then now I've set from the biohacking conference for 10 years. But I want to be able to put a heart rate variability tracker on each person and have them all sent into a single system so that when I'm speaking, I can see the audiences. We can do that now. Yeah, I just never have done it. So maybe, yeah. okay, for my next conference, we should have about 3,000 people or something. Um, by the way, guys, biohackingconference.com. It's going to be in Dallas, I think, at end of end of May. But maybe a subset of people if because it's probably a lot of sensors, but I'd love to be able to show the audience the shared coherence while they're in the room because I know we create a giant, like happy, amazing, creative field when we're there. So here's two. So I, I'm just kind of tip of the iceberg of what some of the work we're doing with Joe, but one is we, we could literally do that. 
We also have a, what we call a, for field research, a, a stack of the new uh, GCP 2.0 RNG devices. Mm-hmm. Really cool thing. It's a stack of these things, all the lights flashing and stuff. So uh, one of the, the recent events for with Joe, we actually put one on stage. Yes, stack. I want one of those to show people that. Ooh, fun. So we can do that in real time. You can see the local effects. You know, it, with a stack of RNGs, you get the network effect. Do you want to speak at the next biohacking conference? I'm certainly open to talking about it, Dave. All right, as long as uh, as long as you're free, then I'd love to have you on stage to talk more about GCP. I think it'd be so much fun. It would be, and, and uh, all right, we'll, we'll yeah, talk offline. Let's just take that offline and yeah. see what are what are the various maybe researchy kind of things we can do. Sure, uh, well. I, I can tell you, with thousands of biohackers in the room, we're always up for research because yeah. you know it works because you can see it work, you can sense it work, and you can get the results. But we don't know causation for some of this stuff. I think it's almost all quantum when you get down to it. Means you say that mm-hmm. it's actually really hard to make a random number generator. Yeah, it is. <laughs> As a computer scientist, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's in fact we who we worked with for the, the GCP two devices. These new devices were some of the world's experts in cryptography, and, and again, yeah. really smart guys, way smarter than me yeah. in that that field. But here's the point: you mentioned quantum. So, I mean, the whole point about a random number generator, for those that don't, don't know this, is you cannot use the past behaviors to predict the future, mm-hmm. right? And that's really hard to do that. There are rhythms that show up in things when you get really, but it's a quantum, pro, it's a literal quantum tunneling process that we use at the front end of these devices to make the random numbers. Oh, so you're doing some of the purest stuff ever. And, and non-nerds would never think about this, but in order to get a random number, you normally need like a, a seed, something random that it starts from. That's pseudo-random. Yeah. It is, is pseudo-randomness. Yeah. But, but even at that level, the uh, RSA, like the, the big encryption company, a while ago, you wouldn't know this, but the NSA, you know, the government spook side of things, they poisoned the seed for all encryption wow. so that they could break it and no one else would know. And I know because the CTO of RSA told me this over dinner. So they had to go through and replace billions of those little keys for your bank because the government kind of broke it. That's how big of a problem randomness is. And again, that was pseudo-random. And you're creating actual randomness via quantum tunneling. Wow. Right. Uh, Yeah, which is kind of neat because if we think of... The the mechanism is going to end up being really cool once we really sort it out because how is it that our collective emotions... And it's it's not thoughts, Dave. This is so important. And... I gotta. I just gotta say this. I know we're getting short on time, but when we look back on the GCP one data over 25 years, the events that happened that evoke people to feel more compassion, more love, these types of emotions have a significantly greater impact on the global field as measured by the, this network than events that evoke hate or just a lot of emotion, like at big sporting events and things. That tells us something right there about mechanism. But mm-hmm. how is it that our consciousness is interacting with these devi- these processes? And the fact that it is a quantum level process probably is also telling us something mm-hmm. about consciousness, right? I'm not sitting here claiming I know all the ABC details and the physics of that yet. What, what I believe is that with the knowledge that you are putting together, the knowledge we have from heart rates and heart rate variability and EEG and breath rates and respiration, all the different biohack things, you put those together, especially when you can use 
AI to help analyze the signals to find the patterns that maybe we didn't see, that we're on the edge of making it way easier to become more conscious than it ever has been. Yes, and and that's why I brought up intention a while ago. Once we start understanding that we can interact with our, our own consciousness to consciously evolve ourselves, physically, mentally, and emotionally, it becomes a new world. At least our world becomes new and transformed. But as enough of us do that, we're, we're, we, are, we are transforming the larger world. And that's really why GCI exists to begin with. It's really about the evolution of collective consciousness. Wow. It's, it's a very powerful thing. And I, I remember when this was first starting, one of the first videos I ever shot, I ended up not putting it out there because I had just bought, back when phones didn't have good enough video, I had bought some kind of little handheld digital video thing. It's got to be 15, 20 years ago, uh, maybe 15 or so when I was just starting the blog. Uh, and I filmed you somewhere or another talking about just the very beginnings of this project. And here we are about 15 years later, where you've got the random number side of it, you've still got the magnetometers and yeah, the amount of research you've done on human consciousness and the underpinnings of reality. It's pretty impressive role. And I, I don't know if you ever step back and go, Look what I just did. You, you ever do that? <laughs> Not too much. I'm, I'm, I tend to be more in my own kind of personality, I guess, or consciousness. I'm not really past oriented. I'm, I'm yeah. more now future oriented. Same, same uh, here. It's like what, what's happening right now and where is it going? And, yeah. and that's what futurists do. Uh, and I would put you in that category for sure. Thank you for, uh, for all your work uh, in the world and for just being curious and taking your deep engineering knowledge and applying that curiosity towards us instead of you know building better cell phones because it turns out they're both important. Yeah, absolutely. If you'd like to learn more about Roland or specifically about this kind of work, the Global Coherence Initiative, go to heartmath.org slash GCI for Global Coherence Initiative. And that'll give you sort of a set of all the tools and stuff we've talked about. This is real. And, you know, you are an electromagnetic physiological being. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. You know, and uh, if people want to really learn, I mean, the science nerds, we have a great research library. Uh, I would say Science of the Heart would be a great starting point if you're into the science. The, the book, Science of the Heart? Yeah, it's, it's a it's an available ebook or hard copy, I think, still as well. It's amazing. It's many hundreds of thousands of reads and downloads. But if you want the practical stuff, how do we really improve our day-to-day life? I'd say Heart Intelligence would be my my recommendation. That's another fantastic book. And, and it, it makes some very important points about the interconnectivity of the heart and the brain. And, and you'll hear some similar things from probably influenced by you uh, from when you go to Joe Dispenza, like, like the interactions between your heart and your brain, they're real. We've had multiple podcast episodes about where intuition happens. You know, there's also the gut that's in there. So you feel intuition in your body. You don't think intuition in your brain. And uh, the heart's a major part of that. So That's a whole other line of our research on the phys- electrophy- uh, electrophysiology of intuition we published back in the, the late 90s, early 2000s. There you go. So you're, you're always at the front of it, the forefront of it, actually, Roland. So I, I greatly respect your work and uh, can't wait to hang out soon. All right. Well, let's uh, chat about your conference. That sounds like that could be fun. Okay. Guys, thanks for listening to this episode of The Human Upgrade. If you liked it, well, maybe get more coherent. 
and I'm just going to drop a little hint for you. If you have enough minerals in your body, could it be that your cells will work better, which would make it more efficient, which would maybe make it easier for you to shift into coherence? I think so. Um, that's why if you drink Danger Coffee, it comes with a boatload of minerals in there for a very good reason, because, hey, having electrolytes and minerals, it matters for a lot of things, including the quality of your interactions with reality. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Dave. You're listening to The Human Upgrade with Dave Asprey. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.